Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. This morning we're going to be continuing our study on the, the application of prayer in our everyday life. And we're going to go back and we're going to use the last couple of weeks as a, a foundation that we're going to continue to build on. And so two weeks ago, we studied the important truth that God wants to have a relationship with his people. God wants to have real, meaningful relationship with you. With you specifically. With, with me. He... he wants to not only have real meaningful relationship, but he also, as a part of that, as a part of any healthy relationship, he wants to speak to us. He wants to, to have conversation with us. And that means that, that we have to make ourselves available to listen. And God wants to give us the opportunity to partner with him in what he is doing, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us, in the lives of other people. And we do that through the gift of prophecy is one of the the gifts that we've talked about. And last week we continued and we were learning about responsive prayer and how we're to pray for others. And, you know, in this particular context, prayer for others being, you know, the, the times where people are responding to what God is doing in their life. How do we partner with what God is doing in their life so that we aren't a distraction? We aren't uh, potentially causing uh, problems, but we're partnering with God and, and get to join in that opportunity to see that grow even further. And we kind of talked about this model of of how we go about doing that when, when it comes time to, to pray for a person. We, we lay hands on that person on their shoulder um, because that's a, a biblical foundation. That's something that we see time and time and time again, the laying on of hands of people. We listen. We stop. We don't jump right into our 15-minute prepared speech on, on working God up to the point of, of doing what it is that we want him to do. We just stop for a moment and we listen to see what God has to say. And this gives the, the person that is receiving prayer an opportunity. Maybe they want to share what, what uh, they're coming to, to God about. Maybe they want to share the, the prayer need that they have, or maybe they don't. It's up to them to, to have that conversation. And, and in the midst of that, after we, we've taken time to listen, we pray blessing. God, we, we see what you are doing in this person's life, and we bless it. And we want to see more of it. What does blessing mean? Blessing means that, that God sees us. God sees that person. That God sees directly into that person. God is speaking to that person past all of the, the hurdles, all of the, the mental obstacles that exist directly into who that person is. God is speaking over us and God is paying the ultimate price to redeem that person. That's what blessing is. And only after that do we pray as the Holy Spirit leads us to pray. 
We silence ourselves and we listen for what it is that God has for that person. And in that moment, maybe there isn't anything and that's okay. We pray blessing. But if there's something else, then that's the the point where we lead. And so we have this specific framework of, of how we pray for people. It makes sense that we would start learning how to pray for people when there's a specific need that's brought forward. And, and I wanna just make sure we're in the right place for a moment. If you, I'm just gonna ask you to put your hand up for a minute if this you know, touches you. Um, if you are in need of physical, spiritual, emotional healing in any way, go ahead and raise your hand. If you know someone who needs healing, if you are actively praying for healing for somebody else in your life, go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, so most of the room. So we're, we're, we're in a good, good place then. Um, I, I thought that might be the, the case. So um, it makes sense if we look at, a, if any of you are on that, that text message thread about um, for our, our prayer chain, we see time after time after time after time that there is a need for healing. You can't, miss it. It, it. It's just continually coming up. It, that is the, the most common prayer request that comes to me as a pastor, is that there would be prayer for healing in some area, whether it's physical healing, whether it's spiritual healing, whatever the case may be, that, that God would, would move and that he would heal in this particular situation. So given that this is one of the most common prayer requests that we see, given that this is you know, probably the, the most common topic that we would pray for on a Sunday morning for someone, it makes sense that we would probably learn how do we pray for somebody when it comes to healing? Like, what are we, what are we supposed to do with that? Because I would hazard a guess to say that if, you know, we said, okay, you know, we need to come up and pray that this person is healed, there'd probably be a lot of blank stares and it'd be like, well, this is, kind of awkward and, and, you know, it just wouldn't necessarily be the, the situation that it could be. But the, the issue is that sometimes we make it more complicated than it really has to be. And so there's some specific points that I want us to, to make sure that we're, we're kind of all understanding before we go too far here. This is not going to be an exhaustive study on the topic of healing prayer. We don't have enough time for that. This is 30 minutes, okay? So this is going to be a teaching that, that makes way for practical application that says th- this is how we move to a place of allowing the Holy Spirit to, to move and, and operate in this particular way. What I want to share this morning will be specifically aimed at how do we practice praying for somebody that needs healing? Because we're supposed to. It says it in the Bible that, that God wants to heal people. So first, what is healing? What is healing? Healing is a sign of the kingdom. That, that's what it is. And well, okay, that's a little vague, but let's, let's get more specific. Then, if we look prior to Jesus coming, if you know what we would call the Old Testament, Abraham prays for Abimelech and his wife who are unable to conceive. And then we're told in Genesis 20, God heals them and they have a child. 
book of Genesis, we see God healing. Elijah heals the son of a widow in 1 Kings. Elisha heals Naaman in 2 Kings. We come to Jesus. Jesus heals blind men. He heals lepers. He heals the the bleeding woman who's hemorrhaging. He causes the lame to walk. He invites Lazarus out of his own tomb. And by the way, he also raises himself from the dead. So Jesus is pretty much into healing, it would seem. And then after Jesus, Peter and John heal a a lame beggar in Acts 3 and Acts 5. People get under Peter's shadow just so that they can be healed. In Acts 20, Paul preaches for too long and a dude falls out of a window and dies. And so Paul has to pray for him because that's not a good look. And that man is healed. In Acts 19, Paul is sending cloth out to people so that they can be healed. God wants to heal people. And it's, it's beginning, middle, and end of the Bible. And there's really nothing in there that said, okay, we're done now. We don't, we don't need that anymore. Healing is a part of the church's ministry. We think of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Healing is a sign of the kingdom. Four out of five times that Jesus sends disciples out to declare the gospel, what does he also tell them to do? Pray for the sick. Heal the sick. They went out and they they preached, they drove out demons, and they healed them. In Mark 16, 17, chapter 16, verse 17, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Well, honey, how was youth group today? Well, we held some snakes. We drank some poison and we healed some sick people. I'm just kidding. We don't do that at youth group. Um, But... They will place hands on sick people and they will get well. These signs will accompany those who believe. Healing is a a spiritual gift. If we look at 1 Corinthians 12.8, to one there is given through the, the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. And it goes on and on and on to to list more. The Bible does not shy away from or sensationalize healing. It's no more or no less special than any of the other gifts, but it is an expected ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. What else is healing? Healing is complicated. It is. Is it complicated because of what God wants to do in somebody's life? No. It's complicated because of what I turn it into most of the time. It's complicated because people are involved. But it's not as complicated as we make it. What do we know about healing? Healing is sought in the midst of suffering. Healing is me asking God to touch something in my life that really has been defining me to some extent. And it's me asking God to redefine who I am. 
And when God does that, it is a story that we will never recover from. But when God doesn't do that, it can also be a story that maybe we never recover from. And this is what makes healing different from all of those other spiritual gifts that we just listed. People respond to a bad sermon (laughs) or a bad teaching and they're like, well, that was pretty bad. We'll, We'll have to see if he does better next week. But people respond to healing not coming the time, at the time that they think it should or in the moment that they think it should. And that, that lack of healing in that moment, in that time, according to their schedule, completely redefines how they view God. It can. And it, it can either cause them to, to completely to shy away. Well, if this isn't happening in my life, then it must mean that God doesn't love me or if this isn't happening in my life, then, then I'm going to bring the other people in the church around me and, and I, I have the, this buffer around me, but I'm going to keep everybody at arm's length because I just can't be hurt like that again. This, this is the reality of what happens in the church. But are either of those things the case? Are either of those things true? Healing isn't as complicated as we tend to make it. We, we come and we, we pray for healing. And when it doesn't happen, we keep praying for healing. Because it's a sign of the kingdom. When I preach a sermon on a Sunday, not everyone in the room responds in the affirmative and says, okay, everybody, 100%, you know, everybody decided to make a decision to follow Christ this week. Everybody decided to, to go this direction. That's, that's just not how it works. I don't immediately assume that, that preaching the gospel is a waste of time because I didn't get a 100% response rate, right? So does that mean that we should assume that because we didn't get that healing that we came in, we asked for that first time, because that that didn't take place in my life, that it's a complete waste of time and we don't need to try anymore. Probably not. Because healing is a spiritual gift, then it must also be true that we can grow in the power of that spiritual gift. Just as we can grow in the power as it relates to teaching, as we can grow in power as it relates to preaching and, and all of these other areas of ministry that, that exist in the Bible. Does God want to heal? Yes. God wants to heal you. He wants to heal me. He wants to heal the entire world. So why didn't he in this situation is what I hear all of you asking in your head right now. Why didn't he when I needed him to show up? And that is a question without a tidy, clean answer. How nice would it be to say, well, you just didn't say these words in this way. If you would have just said these words in this way, then it would have been totally fine. If you would have just drank this Kool-Aid over here, then it would have been totally fine and, and you would have been healed. That's not how it works. What I know is that the God that I pray to is good. And he is so good 
that even though healing does not always come in the way or in the time that I would want to see it, he repurposes everything that I'm going through in that moment for my good. He repurposes all of the the hardship and the difficulty that I'm going through when I'm waiting for that healing, when I'm waiting for that faithful answer to come about into my redemption story. There is nothing in this life that he will not redeem. Why do we seek healing? Because healing is a sign of the kingdom. You're gonna catch in the theme here? The miraculous supernatural intervention of God is a sign pointing to a promised reality. A sign that assures us of God's promise. But that sign is not the substance of that promise. Let's be really clear here. What is the substance of that promise? The substance of that promise is Jesus, is the the everlasting life that he has made available. Healing is a sign that points to Jesus. Healing is a sign of the kingdom that points to the substance of of the kingdom. Healing is a sign that points to the kingdom whether you want it to or not. It's coming whether you see it coming or not. It's coming for sure, and it's coming for good. For my good and for all of eternity. But healing is not the kingdom itself. If we look at at Scripture, if we look where Jesus was involved in healing, healing was was something that took place, healing of the body was something that took place to make an appeal to that whole person, who that person was. Salvation is the substance that we're after. Salvation is the healing for right now and for forever. It is the only healing that lasts. We talked in Sunday school this morning. If we we look at that, that man who's lowered down through the roof who couldn't walk, he was healed. But his body died eventually. The the blind man that, that was made to see, he he died eventually. Those healings that take place, those healings are temporary for that moment, for that time, to accomplish something else. But there's an eternal healing that comes when we're with Jesus. Lazarus eventually walked out, he, he walked out of his tomb when he was called, right? Jesus came and he called him out of his tomb Lazarus had a second funeral. The wages of sin is death, and we experience signs of death, that, the death that awaits us through sickness, through disease, through the various diagnoses that come from the medical world. All of those things point to the, the death that exists in this world. However, Jesus defeated death. He defeated death through resurrection, and we experience signs of his resurrected life through healing. 
through physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. But we don't confuse the sign for the substance. We don't confuse the taste of healing that we experience today with the feast of healing that we are going to experience when we're with Jesus, when we're in the presence of Jesus. So what does this mean? This means that every, every sign, every uh, experience that we have has to be taken with a grain of salt. This isn't the full substance. This isn't everything that we're going to experience. My ultimate hope is not that, that you get healed here this morning. That's, that's not my ultimate hope. My ultimate hope is that we all come to, to relationship with Jesus and that we have that level of healing. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people should be pitied, is what Paul says. That's, this life is not the focus. That's why we can sing, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. But it also means that every sign should be eagerly desired as well. Every healing is a sign of the kingdom. It's a preview of the greatest promise. A sure indicator of the real thing, the most real thing. We should seek healing and we should ask for it. I don't know how many of you have ever cooked with a little kid. It's an interesting experience. If most of the time, if they're not like really trying to like go full on like Iron Chef, most of the time they're only gonna like volunteer to help when there's something that's like kind of good that they want to snag, right? It's like, hey, you know, I want to help because I want to get all the chocolate chips from the you know cookie that you're making, or you know, I want to taste the cake batter, or, or I want to you know do whatever. And so what we have is this moment where, you know, let's, let's just say we're making a cake. And the little kid is eagerly asking for that cake batter. They get a taste of the, that cake batter, but they know that that cake's coming. The, the taste of the cake batter doesn't say, well, I'm good now, I don't need the cake. But I, as a father, am so uh, interested in their well-being and so invested in giving my children what they want, what they desire, what they are asking me for, that I give them a taste of the cake batter, knowing that I still have a cake that is amazing for them to, that's coming soon. Does that make sense? That's what healing is. Healing is just a taste of that cake batter. There's something that's coming that, that is so much better than just this one moment. We're to be like that child that desperately wants that taste. So how do we do this? How do we pray for healing? If you read the Bible to determine whether or not God wants to heal you, you will absolutely come away with that saying, yeah, he does. If you read the Bible to determine how to bring about God's healing in your life, you're gonna leave with more questions than you had before. 
there is a, a really interesting uh, excerpt that I want to read from an author named Jordan Singh. It says, One of the fascinating things about studying healing ministry in the Bible is the wonderfully diverse way the many stories of healing unfold. Peter's mother-in-law was healed as soon as Jesus took her hand, but the ten lepers didn't experience their healing until after Jesus had sent them away. Jesus healed a servant's ear by touching it, but the hemorrhaging woman was healed when she snuck up on Jesus and touched him. Jairus' daughter was resurrected from death immediately when Jesus called her, but the blind man from Bethsaida needed Jesus to touch him twice before he saw clearly. Jesus ordered a man to stretch out his withered hand, and the man was healed as he tried the impossible, but the centurion's servant was healed over a considerable distance just by Jesus' words. The paralytic lowered down to Jesus through a roof was first forgiven of his sins and then healed. But when Jesus healed the man born blind, he assured his disciples that sin played no part in the affliction. Jesus first delivered the hunchback woman from a demonic spirit of infirmity and then touched her spine to heal it. But the Canaanite girl wasn't even present when Jesus delivered and healed her through a proclamation to her mother. Jesus distributed healings through touch, commands, declarations. Sometimes he applied saliva, sometimes mud, sometimes just touched touching his cloak was enough. All that to say, if you're looking for a formula to say if to spiritual, supernatural healing, the Bible isn't the book for it. There is mystery to this process. There's mystery to, to how this comes about. So how do we pray? How do we come and, and ask God to, to heal? Because he's proven that he wants to. Faith is an ingredient in healing. Mark 6 says that no miracles could be done in Jesus' hometown because there was a lack of faith. Just a few people got healed. I, I love that part that's just kind of tossed in. It's like, oh yeah, there was just like five or six people that got healed. Five or six people getting healed in Jesus' hometown is like an off day for him. Everybody else is like, man, if we had like five or six people getting healed at church, that would be amazing. But that's an off day for Jesus. So when when some people hear that faith is an ingredient, it's easy to say, so God would have healed this person or, or that person or me, but I just didn't have enough faith. And that is absolutely not what I'm saying. And that is absolutely not what the Bible teaches. Faith is one of the ingredients. We, we don't know the whole recipe. We know that God wants to heal. We know that faith plays a part in healing, absolutely, and that God is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And if you feel shame or condemnation in how you either ha have or haven't prayed or had faith for healing, it isn't God condemning you. That's the enemy, and you should just throw it out. What else do we know? We know that preparation matters. Preparation matters when it comes to healing prayer. The man brings his son to the disciple who's, who's suffering from uh, epilepsy. And in this case, in this specific case, epilepsy is being caused by uh, demon possession. The disciples pray to, to relieve this boy of this, this demon possession and they're unsuccessful. And Jesus shows up and he explains that this kind of healing only comes about through prayer and fasting. 
Prayer and fasting is, can be kind of shorthand for being consecrated or, or to be set apart or, or to, to take time to, to invest into the process. If I desire the gift of healing, if I, I want to move in that spiritual gift in that ministry, prayer and fasting is an appropriate first step in that. What do we say? How do you pray for somebody that, that needs healing? I heard recently a, kind of a funny and amazing uh, testimony that I'm going to share. There's this young man, college age, uh, massive heart defects, um, going in for a surgery in the coming week, and he was more than likely going to die on the table. There was not really any hope at all that this was, was going to be able to do it. It was the last-ditch effort. The, the mother was in church she was was getting everybody that she knew to to pray for healing for this for this son of hers he comes to church the sunday before he is to go in for surgery he kind of goes and puts himself in the back doesn't really want to to be the focus of the the church sunday and there's this kid in youth group who shows up and he says hey aren't you his name is vance aren't you vance and the guy in the wheelchair is just like, yeah, I am. Kind of knowing where this is going to go and not really wanting to, to be involved with it. And he said, well, aren't you that guy with the, the heart defect? Don't you, you have that? Aren't you going in for surgery? You know, isn't there something like totally wrong with you? And, and Vance is like, yeah, <laughs> that's me. And this youth group kid's like, well, there's this other guy who, like, moves in the spiritual gift of healing. So, let's have, why don't you go see him? And Vance is like, oh, great. Here we go. And so, of course, you know, he just kind of humors the kid, and they, and they go down, and, and, of course, where does the guy who's going to pray for healing sit? Front row, center aisle. So, here goes Vance down the the center aisle towards church and uh, towards this guy who's going to pray for him. And the, the youth group kid goes up to the guy who's going to pray and he says, hey there, you, you move in, in the healing ministry. You, you pray for people that are, that are sick, right? And, and we've got this guy who's terminally ill. Pray for him. And the color drains from the guy's face who's now being asked to pray for <laughs> this this guy who's had all of these other people pray for him. And what can you say at that point? So, of course, he gets up and he prays. And uh, Vance, the, he shares with the pastor that he's kind of recounting this testimony to, that this was the, quote-unquote, worst prayer I've ever heard in my life. Nothing made sense. There was all of these different well-meaning words that were put together, but none of it actually had any <laughs> real uh, coherent thought through it at all. But when that man touched him, his heart burned like a fire was in him. And he knew in that moment that 
regardless of, of what words were said, regardless of, of whatever had been done previously, that in that moment he was healed. And sure enough, he was. He went back. He didn't have the surgery. And, and he was able to continue in perfect health miraculously. The, the point of that, that testimony, the, the reason that that testimony is so important is because, of course, God would use the person who's just willing to show up, who doesn't have all of the pretty words, who doesn't know what specific thing to pray. Of course, God works that way. What we know is that all of the words that we have to share when it comes to praying for healing for someone don't amount to anything. Keep it simple. Jesus led by example. This is what he said when it came to healing people. I'm willing, be clean. Young man, I say to you, get up. Get up and take your mat and go home. Or the apostle speaking to a man in the name of Jesus, walk. When we use our 20-minute prayer to ask for healing, we're actually betraying a belief that we need to convince God to do something that he already wants to do. We, sometimes when it comes to us praying for people, we feel like we have to show up, man, if I can just deliver this prayer like Martin Luther King, then he's absolutely going to be healed. God wants this more than you do. A simple prayer is enough. What else do we know? We know that persistence is required in the moment and over the long haul. In the moment, we see Jesus spits in the dirt and he puts it in the the man's eyes and, and he's been blind since birth and he says, I can see things, but everything looks like trees. Everybody asks, well, how do you know what trees look like? But Jesus spits in the dirt again and puts more mud in his eyes, and then he can see. If Jesus needs to be persistent and do things multiple times, maybe we do too. Prayer for healing can take years. It can take discipline, and it can take disappointment, but God's timing is perfect. Next important point, healing never replaces medicine. Healing prayer doesn't replace medicine. God uses medicine. God uses and and works through doctors. God heals through medicine or beyond medicine, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that we just don't need to be wise. Well, I don't don't need the doctor to to help with this infection in my arm. Jesus is going to take care of it. And Jesus is saying like, dude, I gave the guy penicillin. Like, use it. We're to be wise. So model. Last week and this morning, we talked about models for how we pray for people. We need a model for how, how we pray for people when it comes to healing prayer. Models are important because 
we are regularly going to find ourselves in a place where we are asking people to come forward and make themselves possibly the most vulnerable that they have ever been. Ready to receive from a God who has made himself vulnerable for them. But when you extend yourself, when you make yourself vulnerable, there is always a possibility that someone else will take that vulnerability and they will use it as their spiritual playground. That's not okay. So that's why we have a model. God is a father, and he has made me an overseer in this house to act with the heart of the father, to look out for his children who are coming in the midst of their vulnerability, and so this is how we're going to do it. That's why this model is important. It allows us to to respond from a place of vulnerability. It allows our church family to respond to those people that are responding. And it allows the Holy Spirit to continue to work in ways that he's already started to work in that person's life. So what's the model for healing prayer? We, We first, we ask for permission to pray for somebody. They may not be ready. They may not be ready or they may not want to ask for miraculous healing at that time. And, and that's okay. That's, that's not a you thing. That's a them thing that, that's between them and God. And they, they need to get to that place on their own. And if they aren't ready to ask for that, then you know, that could potentially mean that their faith is, is not ready to, to have that conversation yet. It, it could be a lot of things. But what we don't want to do is do more damage than help. So if somebody says, sure, yeah, I'd love for you to pray with me. What else do we know? Simple prayers are fine. If Jesus can say, get up and walk, we can keep it to like 10 words or less. And we, we still follow this, this process of the laying on of hands appropriately. And I know it sounds kind of weird, but I'm super serious here. We do it appropriately. If, if, some, if a guy comes up to me and needs prayer for their knee, I'm going to ask for permission to put my hand on his knee. If a woman comes up and asks for permission or asks for prayer about something going on her thigh, I'm going to put my hand on her shoulder, only on her shoulder. So we lay hands on that person and we pray and we say, did he get any better? Test it out. Do you see any improvement? And if it got better, praise the Lord and we move forward. If, it, if they say, no, there's, there's still some pain here, then let's pray again. Let's be persistent. We pray again and we check again. And if there's healing, we celebrate. If not, then we commit to additional prayer. And here's the key. You commit to additional prayer and you actually do it. You actually continue to pray for that person over, over the period of however long it takes. First Corinthians 12.1, it says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's, that's the prayer this morning, is that we would not be uninformed that we would come and that we would, would know what it means to, to pray for those that are around us. 
This morning we're going to move to our time of ministry. We're going to follow the same model we followed last week. If you are at a place of needing to um, receive prayer this morning, the front is open. It's available to you to come forward. We invite you to do that. If you need prayer this morning, come forward, face the front, hands on, feet on the ground, hands open, ready to receive what God is doing. And if you specifically are coming with a, a need for healing, let's do that. Let's, let's pray believing that God wants to heal his people. And so if that's you this morning, the, the front's open, feel free to come forward. Once we, we have some folks come forward, then if you are feeling led to pray for someone, then we invite you to come and do that. Um, that's, that's how we're going to do it this morning. And, and you know, this is going to grow and, and, and change as we go forward. But for right now, what do we know? That God loves his kids. God wants to talk to his kids. God wants to be involved in, in the, f- the family dynamic with his, his children. And God wants to heal his kids. That's what we know. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that you are faithful to heal, that you are faithful to answer prayer. As we come this morning, Lord, we, we come expecting you to move. We come expecting you to, to change lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop.